0: The Bakers of Weber's Bread present your all-star Western Theater, produced in Hollywood and transcribed for release at this more convenient time.
1: Drifting along, singing a song under a Western
2: moon. From Hollywood comes your all-star Western Theater, starring America's great Western singers, Foy Willing and the Riders of The Purple Sage, Bringing you the music, the stories, and the spirit of the great open spaces. Today our special guest is one of America's great singers of folk songs, Eddie Arnold. And now, the Riders of the Purple Sage. Listen to a song
1: of the wind. Listen to a song of the rain. Listen to a song of the sagebrush. Calling to me again. Me and the pony are free. Singing a song of the same We never care where we be We never work for a way We live a life of leisure Here on the desert drive We never search for a treasure We want nothing gold can buy We lose the cares of a race. Song of the same singing a song of the same
3: hello friends we're mighty glad to have Eddie Arnold back for another appearance on all-star Western theater and we know you are too now the boys and I have a song you've asked us to sing again and again these past months and it's one we enjoy singing too so thanks for asking little White House with you inside
4: White House with you inside, and heaven will be near me. With your love proved and tried, always near to cheer me. From your side I won't roam, with your love I can't go wrong.
1: Little White House with you inside, and I'll be satisfied.
5: <laughs>
4: Little White House with you inside, life will be so happy. Yours and mine at my side, calling me their happy. Storms may come and rain may fall, I'll be near you when you call. Little White House with you inside, and I'll
5: be satisfied. Little
4: White House with you inside, and I'll bring home the money. You're the queen, and my bride, I'll always call you honey. You love me and I love you, love like ours will be true. Little White House with you
1: inside, I'll be satisfied. (laughs)
5: Little
4: White House with you inside, never mind the weather. Face this world side by side, we'll grow old together. Old and gray, still in love, thank the Lord from above. (laughs) Little
1: White House with you inside, and I'll be satisfied.
0: Well, take a little breather, boys, and line up your music for another song, while I fill in with a few words about good Weber's bread. Folks, we know there's more Weber's bread sold in Southern California than any other bread. So, we know most of you serve and enjoy Weber's bread every day. But you other folks, who haven't yet shaken hands with a big soft loaf in the bright blue gingham wrapper, Weber's bread. Now, you really should get acquainted soon with Weber's fresh new-baked bread flavor. Until you do... You're missing something. Something downright good that gives you a banquet appetite, even at ordinary meals. Now, Weber's bread is out of the ordinary bread. People tell us so. Who knows? Probably you'll say so, too, as soon as you try a loaf. Remember, it's Weber's bread. Buy a loaf soon and treat the family. Now, let's go back to the
3: all-star Western Theater. Eddie Arnold, come on over here. You've got some songs to sing for us today. And I'd like to say publicly now that one of the reasons you're here for another appearance on All-Star Western Theater is because your fans from all over the country have asked to hear you again. Well, thanks, Foy. That's awfully nice to hear. Those letters are about the surest way to tell whether or not a man is a success. And believe me, Eddie, you are. Well, Foy, I'm still Tennessee's old plowboy. But with music in your heart, honest, sincere music. What's your first song going to be, Eddie? Uh, A little uh, ballad that's popular right now, To My Sorrow.
6: my sorrow, I loved you only Cause you told me your heart was true Then you left me to love another To my sorrow, I trusted you Only time can heal this longing in my heart, dear and somebody else may help me to forget. I should hate you for all these heartaches, but to my sorrow, I love you, yet. Yeah. To my sorrow, you made a vow, dear, and you promised to never go. Now your promise and vows are broken Why I love you, I'll never know Maybe someday when your hair has turned to silver You'll be sorry that you said we had to part Though I'm smiling, inside I'm crying to my sorrow. You're in my
2: heart Well, it's time now for Foy Willing and the riders of the Purple Sage to tell us another of their adventures in the West. This week, they've called their story Buried Treasure. In the 1870s, when silver kings were taking great quantities of precious metal from the earth, Eureka was a thriving little settlement. But now, it's merely a ghost town. Few, silent, weather-beaten buildings that stand alone in the desert. A scant handful of people. Men who, for one reason or another, want to get away from the sight of other men. Misfits, criminals, hermits. The riders of the Purple Sage headed for Eureka one morning, and more than mere curiosity drove them along the trail. They, too, felt they must get away from other men. And they had a very definite reason for thinking so.
3: I said we ought to tie him up to one of them old lampposts when we get him to Eureka, foy and leave him there to starve. I'm inclined to agree with you, Al. If we weren't so chicken-hearted, we'd really make him suffer like he's made other people suffer. Who's this you guys are talking about? We're talking about you, Johnny. You and that saxophone. Oh, now, boy. Trying to learn to play that thing has got us run out of three counties already this week. And the ghost town is about our last refuge. Well, if your billy goat to disturb somebody out here, then we're going to have to do something about you. Come on, let's hightail it. There's a sandstorm going to hit, and we want to get to a cabin before it does. Sure, guy, there's some extra cabins, so we got a place to keep the horses. Really bad. Oh, can't hardly breathe. Head for the cabins, straight to the left. It looks tight as any. More sand blowing through the air than there's land on the ground. Gonna last all night, too. Hey, somebody help me, will you? What? I
7: got more to carry than you guys have, and a saxophone case is just like a sail in the wind. <laughs>
3: You guys are just jealous, that's all. Uh, sure glad the storm died down this morning, ain't you, Foy? I'll be in the cowboy band and you won't. Yeah, well, it was a doozy, all right. I might even be asked to play a solo. Somebody at the door. Clear out here. That brass moose collar Johnny's has disturbed somebody. Clear out here. I'll see who it is. You better be thinking up an excuse, Johnny. Howdy. Mister, if you heard some wailing. You're
7: Foy you wailing,
3: ain't you? Yeah, but I wasn't playing that sec- I
7: seen your horses. I recognized them. I wonder if you could tell me what I ought to do. Somebody killed Joe. What's that? I don't think it was me. I don't remember killing him, but then sometimes I can't remember all the things I do.
3: Al, Johnny, come here. Come on, Johnny. This is your party. What's the trouble? This man, uh, what'd you say your name was? Ben. Just Ben. He tells me a fella's been murdered. Oh, no, you don't. This is a frame-up.
7: My plan ain't that bad.
3: Hold it, Johnny. Just a minute, Ben. Let's close the door.
7: Well, I I, I went to Mr. Whitehead's cabin about sunup as soon as the storm started to die down. I told him about Joe, but Mr. Whitehead didn't seem to care. He says, why didn't I bury Joe? Because Joe's only a hermit. Nobody'd care if he was dead. But I didn't want to do that, especially not after Joe being killed in my cabin.
3: Ben, maybe you better sit down.
7: I don't think I killed him.
3: Let's start at the beginning. Suppose you tell us step by step what happened.
7: Well, I went off to get some supplies. I remember that much. And a big storm come up. I had a hard time getting home. I think I came straight to my own cabin. I don't believe I stopped in to see Joe. It was still blowing when I got home. I lighted the lamp and stood there a minute catching my breath. Then I saw Joe lying
3: on the floor. He was dead. In your cabin?
7: I thought I ought to tell somebody. But the storm got worse so I had to wait. It was blowing a little when I went to see Mr. Whitehead. That was about sunup.
3: Al, Johnny, I don't like the looks of this. We better go over to Ben's cabin and see what it's all about.
7: That's my cabin over there. I carried, mm, must be, 75 or 80 nice flat rocks and built a walk up to it so the place would look homey. But the storm covered them all up.
3: Yeah, a good three inches of sand even on the windowsills. Ben, you haven't told us anything about the man that was killed. Who is he exactly?
7: Joe? Yeah. Oh, Joe was an Indian, a fine fella. Only he was awful afraid of being burned in an everlasting fire.
3: You mean he was religious?
7: No, just afraid. Once he swore an oath that he'd never tell some where some money was buried. And the fellow who buried it made him swear. Said Joe would burn in an everlasting fire if he did. Folks was always coming up here pestering Joe trying to make him tell.
3: I reckon we know why Joe was killed now anyway. Yeah, and we'd probably be able to track down the killer if it hadn't been for that storm wiping out the footprints.
7: That's footprints, see? Running toward us from the cabin. Well, oh, that's my cabin. I reckon the footprints are mine, too. I made them just now come to see you.
3: Yeah, guess you're right, Ben.
7: Just my luck. Spend all day fooling around on this and I won't have any practice at all.
3: Put your hands in the air. Al, Johnny. All oh, of you. In the doorway, that cabin. Put your hands in the air. I got a gun. Down, Al, Johnny. Get down then. I'm going to shoot. Ow! You got him, boy. Oh. He's running. Come on, let's get him. Oh. Oh, no, no, no. Let me go. Let me go. We got him. Uh, I didn't know you were sheriff's men. There's been a murder here. You were strangers. I thought you might have killed him. You got him in the arm when you shot, boy. You were strangers. I might have... They were know. with me, Mr. Whitehead. You know I wouldn't be with criminals. So you're Mr. Whitehead. You're the man who told Ben to bury Joe instead of reporting the murder. No, no, but I said was. We mustn't bury him until we do report the murder. Isn't that what I said, Ben? Well, no, I ain't sure. I thought that... Al, you and Johnny look after Whitehead's arm. Only a flesh wound, but he may need cleaning. I'll take Ben and have a look at the cabin. Yeah, and while we're fixing the arm, we'll ask Mr. Whitehead a few questions. A man who's always ready to use a gun usually knows a few things as far as killings are concerned. (laughs)
7: There he is. That's Joe, lying there on the floor,
8: face, face down.
7: down. I I don't think I killed him, but, but sometimes I don't remember everything I do. Uh, my mind isn't clear all the time.
3: He could have been shot after he got here, all right, Ben.
7: Yeah, I know. I, I, if if I could remember whether I stopped at Joe's for supper last night. Lots of times I eat with him.
3: Seems more likely he was shot somewhere else, though, and came in here before he died. There wasn't any struggle, in your cab... Wait. There's a gun. What? 45 Automatic. Oh, I'll get no, it. No, no, I'll get it. We don't want to spoil any fingerprints.
7: Oh, that must be the gun that killed him.
3: Ben, I'm sorry, but finding this gun here makes things look awful bad for you. I like Joe, too. You started to tell us something about people pestering him to give up the buried treasure.
7: Well, yes. When when Joe was young, he worked for a man named Mr. Morley. Mr. Morley was rich, but he didn't like his wife. He was afraid of her. So one night, he and Joe took all the money. They buried it. He made Joe swear never to tell what they'd done with They buried. Him. He made Joe swear never to tell what they'd done with it. Told Joe he'd burn in an everlasting fire if he ever broke his word.
3: Who's been pestering Joe?
7: Mr. Morley's daughter. Her name is Barbara. Uh, let me see. Her, her last name is Thompson now. She's married. Yeah, Barbara is nice, though. Sometimes oh. she gets excited, but mostly she brings Joe things to eat when she comes to try and make him tell.
3: Who else knows about the buried treasure? I do. But I never bothered
7: Joe, because money won't do me much good. That Barbara's husband knows about it, too. And Mr. Whitehead. Whitehead, eh? Oh, he's been wanting to make a deal with Joe. He said if Joe would tell him where the money was, they'd build a big... uh, What is it? A big resort with swimming pools and everything.
3: Come on, you. Get in there. Oh, take it easy. My arm's sore. Yeah? Well, I want to finish up here so I can practice my saxophone. What's all this? Boy, Mr. Whitehead says the girl was here yesterday. Well, she came after you left for town, Dan. Who was it? Barbara Thompson? How did you know? Well, Ben's been telling me about people who drop around. She left just before the storm came up, Dan. Well, Johnny and I went over to her cabin, boy, and Whitehead seems to be telling the truth. There's ashes in the stove, and they're still warm. Stuff is all piled up like she meant to make a quick getaway. Something must have scared her, made her run out before she had a chance to load the things in her car. I'm sure that's it. You have opinions on almost everything, don't you, Mr. Whitehead?
2: I'm trying to help. I studied law, so I know something of solving crimes. Oh, you found the murder weapon?
3: How do you know this is a murder weapon? Why, shortly after Ben left this morning, I walked over to see if there was any truth in what he said about a murder. I rather thought he was having another hallucination, and I wanted to check. Well, the gun was on the floor then. Hmm. And that's uh, how I happened to accuse you. Just seen the body and jumped to the conclusion You were the killers. Perfectly natural reaction. Al, suppose we go back to the girl's cabin. I'd like to see if we can find her town address. We already got her address, boy. Uh, Johnny found it when we were going through her stuff. She lived just this side of town. Good. We'll have to ride in and report the murder anyhow. So we'll stop and see her on the way. Well, what about these two? Mr. Whitehead, you'll want a doctor to have a look at your arm. And I'm sure Ben wouldn't care to stay out here alone under the circumstances. So we'll take both of you along. Al, don't give Ben and Whitehead this information, but here's the plan we'd better follow. I'll ride on ahead and see if I can pick up the girl, then hightail it for the sheriff's office. Right. You and Johnny keep watch over these two. Take Whitehead to the doctor and have the wound looked after her. I'll meet you outside the doctor's office after you've finished. Yeah, Let's save all the time we can. My music is sure suffering today. Where's Van and Whitehead, Al? Uh, up in the doctor's office. I thought there'd be less chance of them getting away if I had Johnny guard there and I stayed at the door here. Did I find out anything about the gal? Just enough to throw suspicion on her. She moved last night. Moved? Yeah, I had a row with her husband. He left first and a few minutes later she walked out. Well, that does look suspicious. How about the sheriff? He's out working on another case. His office is sent for him. Al, I think the best thing we can do is to uh, go back to the ghost town and wait there. It's just possible the girl might come back to get her things. Kind of a long shot, though, ain't it? Maybe, but it'll be easier to keep watch over Ben and Whitehead out there. Oh, one thing more. I found Whitehead's uh, picture in the files at the sheriff's office. He served a couple of terms in prison. No wonder the guy claims to know how crimes are solved. Boy, we better get out there. Maybe we can have this all wrapped up by the time the sheriff arrives. This is illegal, don't you? You know you haven't any right to hold Ben and me. We're not holding you, Mr. Whitehead. We're merely escorting you back to where you live. Maybe we are holding him, Al. Maybe we got a right to hold the man who pulls a gun on us. A whole day's almost gone. All right, let's tie up here. You'll pay for this. I know something about the law, too. We know you do, Mr. Whitehead. I found you did when I was at the sheriff's office.
7: Well, there she is. There's Barbara Thompson. Where, Ben? Right there, beyond them buildings.
3: She's digging for us. She's digging in the ground. Johnny put a gun on these two. Watch Whitehead particularly. Al, come on. We'll get the girl. She must know where the treasure was buried. And if she knows, she must have found out from Joe before he was killed.
8: What do you want with me? You can't Drop those
3: tools and come on.
8: You haven't any right to tell me. Drop
3: the tools and come on. We represent the sheriff's office. Oh, There was a murder here last night, and you visited the man who was murdered shortly before the killing took place.
8: I didn't do it. I didn't kill him.
3: But you don't deny you were here. You don't deny you came, hoping to get him to tell where the money's buried. And you don't deny that you're digging for the money now.
8: I can explain that. Another
3: thing. Last night after the killing, you moved without giving a forwarding address.
8: I quarreled with my husband. He left first, and then I did. While I was getting ready to leave, I found a map that shows where the treasure is. It was in some of my father's belongings. I had never noticed it before.
5: Where's
3: the map? Let's see it. No. Let's see the map.
8: The map is mine. It shows where the money is buried and the money belongs to me. Nobody else is going to get it.
3: You haven't got a map. You're lying.
8: I don't know that you're from the sheriff's office.
3: You soon will. We'll hold you until the sheriff comes. Then he can take you along on a murder charge. Here's the map. That's better. You've explained everything pretty well so far. But there's still another item. You left rather hurriedly last night.
8: Not any more hurriedly than usual.
3: You didn't put the fire out in your cabin.
8: I didn't build any fire in my cabin.
3: Your belongings are packed, ready to be taken away.
8: My belongings... I didn't pack anything. I wasn't even in my cabin. I talked to Joe, tried to get him to tell me where the money was buried, and when he wouldn't, I left. Boy,
3: Al! in trouble. Right, Huggie, trying to get a hurry. Bring him down, Al. Let's bring him down. Good work, good work. We got him this time. He won't run away no more. We got him in the lake. <laughs> All right, Barbara, you and Ben can go as far as we're concerned. But you better let us know where you can be reached. The sheriff may want to talk with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for
8: it. I'm so glad you've decided I'm not a murderer.
3: What about me? What are you going to do about me? We're holding you on a charge of murder, Mr. Whitehead. You can't prove I killed anybody. You've already confessed. When you came into the cabin this morning, you identified the automatic I was holding as the murder weapon. But I explained... Your explanation was your confession. You said you went into Ben's cabin earlier while Ben was away looking for us. You said you saw the gun lying beside the body then. But you weren't there then, Mr. Whitehead. You couldn't have been there this morning, or we'd have seen your footprints leading to the door. But my footprints... The only footprints were Ben's, and they led away from the cabin. What really happened was that you shot Joe during the storm. After he had staggered into Ben's cabin, you followed threw the gun in on the floor beside him, so Ben would be blamed for the killing. All that happened during the storm, and the storm covered your footprints. You killed Joe. Well, thank goodness that's happened. Now, maybe I can go back and do some practice. Oh, hadn't you ought to wait until after the sheriff takes Mr. Whitehead away, Johnny? Don't you think hanging is enough punishment for Mr. Whitehead? He had no to be tortured, too.
0: Say, folks, you ever watch a child run full speed from dawn till dark, busy every minute? Well, where a kid gets all that energy is something for the doctors to figure out. But, you know, the food he eats must have a lot to do with it. Food like good Weber's bread, we mean Now watch the small fry in your neighborhood. See how eagerly they go for bread after school. Soft, fresh Weber's bread with butter or jam. Mmm, and why not? Bread provides energy. And that fresh-baked flavor of Weber's bread seems to be just what the doctor ordered. Remember these things about good Weber's bread. It's good for you. It provides energy. The good taste suits children, or anybody else for that matter. And remember, too, that Weber's bread comes to you in the bright blue gingham wrapper. Why a loaf soon, won't you? Now, back to the all-star Western Theater.
2: Now, the riders of the Purple Sage and the spirited Gay Ranchero. A Gay Ranchero, a caballero, can always find someone to
1: pet. A senorita, a sweet pepita, her other loves will soon forget. If he's insistent and she's not distant, the senorita will confess. This gay ranchero, this caballero, he'd only ask and she'll say yes. Soon there'll be a fiesta with a blushing bride and a gay ranchero standing by her side. If they find the promise that they have in store, they'll be counting little chicos by the score. On his rancho, we now find Pancho with his pepita by his side. She thinks he's handsome, worth any ransom. To him, she's still a blushing bride. Our gay ranchero, our caballero, still tells the world of how they met. This gay ranchero, this caballero, says he has nothing to regret. Now to the story that I once was told, here's a little secret that I must unfold. For they found the promise that they had in store, now they're really counting Chico's by the score. Que hey, Rochero, Caballero, says that he has nothing to regret.
2: Now a song that carries with it the real spirit and traditions of the West. Eddie Arnold joins the Riders of the Purple Sage, and we hear... I'll hold you in my heart until I can hold you in my arms.
6: I'll hold you in my heart till I can hold you in my arms like you've never been held before. I'll think of you And then I'll dream the night away Till you are in my arms once more The stars up in the sky Know the reason why I feel so blue When I'm away from you I'll hold You in my heart till I can hold you in my arms so darling please wait for me
1: I'll hold you in my heart till I can hold you in my arms like you've never been held before I'll think Of you each day, and then I'll dream the night away till you are in my arms once more. The stars up
6: in the sky know the reason why I feel so blue when I'm away
1: from you. I'll hold
6: you in my heart till I can hold you in my heart. So, darling, please wait for me.
3: Well, that's about it for this time, friends. Eddie Arnold, thanks for coming over again. And thanks to Ralston Purina Company for their permission. The actors who helped us tell our story today... For Janet Logan, Tom Holland, and Norman Field. This is Foy Willing speaking for Al Sloe, Scotty Harrell, and Johnny Paul, the riders of the Purple Sage saying so long and good luck to all of you. Drifting along, singing
1: a song.
2: From Hollywood, you've heard your All-Star Western Theater, a VM Bear production starring America's great Western singers, Boy Willing, and the riders of the Purple Sage. The script was by Ray Wilson and direction by Scott Farnworth. This is Terry O'Sullivan speaking.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, the All-Star Western Theater was transcribed and presented by the makers of that good Weber's Bread. Here's a note. The All-Star Western Theater will be heard one hour later next Saturday night, so be sure to listen at 8.30 p.m. California Daylight Saving Time for the All-Star Western Theater. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. KHJ, the Don Lee Station, Los Angeles.
5: By